You're listening to Bloom in Tech with David Bloom. This podcast sponsored by Fabric Media in Venice, California. Hey everybody, it's David Bloom. Welcome back to another edition of Bloom in Tech. This is our first in 2019. I hope you all had a great break and were able to take a little time off with those you care about in places you love and do some things to recharge and uh, restock ahead of what I'm sure will be another very event-filled year. I spent a lot of time in the last few days thinking about talking with people, writing about Uh, influencer marketing, the trends that uh, surfaced in 2018 and where they're going in 2019. Seemed like a really good topic to put out there for folks. And I'd love to hear your all's feedback. If you get a chance, wherever you hear this, drop me a line at davidbloomla at gmail.com and let me know your thoughts about what you see as the trends. But let's get started. Influencer marketing was more prominent, more scrutinized, and at times more controversial than ever in 2018, thanks in part to privacy transgressions and other problems that dogged Facebook and other platforms. But as 2019 comes into view, brands and agencies in the business of influencer marketing must focus on several key trends if they want to succeed in a fast-evolving sector. I laid out five of these in a piece I wrote for Forbes, and I did some other stuff from the influencer standpoint in a piece I wrote about for TubeFilter that I hope will come out very soon. In the meantime, let's just focus on what agencies are talking about and looking at and expecting. First of all, Instagram rules. It is far and away the most popular site right now for influencer marketing. Facebook face-planted much of 2018. I can't imagine a company having a worse year without actually going out of business. They won't, but in some ways they may deserve to. Google's had its own problems with YouTube's privacy issues, and Twitter spent most of the year killing off an endless supply of fake accounts. Snapchat veered uncomfortably close to running out of cash and street cred, and, you know, to the same extent, uh, it could have been worse, I suppose. They uh, both lively and musically disappeared into the maw of ByteDance's other operations. But amid all that mayhem, influencer marketing continued to spread. The number of campaigns using influencers doubled in just a year, according to Creator IQ, which tracks these things. And nowhere did that growth hit more vigorously than on Facebook's subsidiary, Instagram, which was part of 93% of all influencer campaigns last year, according to Creator IQ. That's about double the rate of Facebook and YouTube, which were roughly tied as the second most popular platforms for influencer marketing. Celebrities are driving connections on Instagram in a big way, of course. Just look at the top 10 new Instagram videos in November, according to Pex, a Los Angeles-based B2B firm that focuses on rights management and analytics and does some really interesting stuff, looking at all the video that gets posted in a public way. Kylie Jenner, Cardi B, and Lily Pons each had two of the month's 10 most popular new videos on Instagram, each attracting millions of likes and tens of thousands of comments, according to Pex. Ellen DeGeneres and Dwayne The Rock Johnson had uh, one more each. And Jenner didn't miss the chance in her her most watched video to pimp out her own brand of cosmetics. Even to her own infant child, the woman does not stop. It's kind of ridiculous. You know, that's why she's making tons of money and uh, making quite a way, uh, making her way through uh, pop culture on just about every front you can think of. 
She is nothing if not a marketing machine. Her video attracted 36 million views in less than a full month. It's now up to about 42 million, along with 7.7 .7 million likes and 149,000 comments on Instagram. But Instagram also benefits, I think, by being not Facebook in many ways, even as it still benefits from Facebook's money and network of 2.2 billion users that it keeps feeding into Instagram. For one, many people who are put off by Facebook's endless string of recent scandals seem to perceive that Instagram neither collects nor misuses as much personal data. Add in Instagram's snackable photos and brief videos, and the company's savvy attention to its creators' needs, which everybody tells me is wildly different from particularly Snap's active antipathy towards creators there. And you can see why Instagram's the place to be for brands and influencers these days. It's important, though, that we realize that influencer marketing no longer is a thing by itself off in a corner. Now, increasingly, is becoming just one of the tools in the toolbox of uh, opportunities for brands and agencies. They're getting more sophisticated at integrating influencers into the broader digital campaigns, according to Steve Ellis, the CEO of WhoSay.com, which Viacom brought it, bought a year ago. It's a really big influencer marketing company, and it's been around about as long as anybody, nearly a decade now. One key, Ellis told me, is you need to look at the work you do with influencers as really an extension of the ideas you're more generally doing as an advertiser. It has to feed into your broader campaign. And that means you also have to give influencers a good project, a good product, or a good idea. You can't give them poor quality stuff and expect them to redeem it with their audience just because they have a bunch of followers. It's about the idea. The talent are part of the idea. The talent can't make a bad idea good. People don't have to pay attention to your bad idea. And that's a really crucial thing to remember, whatever kind of marketing you're doing online, but particularly with influencer marketing. You've got to give them good stuff and then go from there. And just as importantly, once you hand out that asset and tell the influencer to provide it to their friends in a way that, that you want, you've got to do more. You've got to take that asset, and who says good at this because they're now part of Viacom and they have access to Viacom's TV networks and its over-the-top streaming systems and its own large uh, social media networks. They are able to take that asset that's been given to the influencers and also use it in advertising, also use it in OTT ads, also use it in mid-roll on or pre-roll on their social media they're finding lots of ways to use that content and, and highly produced stuff, not just the, you know, we used to have a, a bunch of conversations about it need to be authentic. And increasingly what he says he's seeing is that higher quality stuff performs better. Sometimes it can still be a basic iPhone asset that somebody puts together, but increasingly people want to see good stuff, well done, smart, and engaging that shows some of their favorite people involved. The next big trend that we talked about a lot this week or this last couple of weeks is uh, what I call going nano. No 2018 trend got more attention than the rise of first the micro-influencers and then the nano-influencers, which are very roughly defined as someone with a few thousand followers in a very well-defined sector. The fees are less, the talent's more pliable, and if one of those influencers, those nano-influencers, does something stupid, which can happen, 
It doesn't metastasize into a brand-damaging PR debacle. Plenty of big names are still signing big deals, but the market has shifted in a very short time, said Creator IQ. In just the past year, the following of an average influencer in a deal dropped by half to 500,000. It's a sign not so much of the rise of nano-influencers as of the use of a far broader range of influencers in general. Neil Patel, the chief commercial officer for Tubular Labs, which tracks 5 billion videos and 13 million creators on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, told me that now there's an opportunity to build an influencer network across thousands of people. In the next few years, that's really where the new war is going to be, he said, as different companies build up entire networks of influencers that they activate for their product. Tracking that, following that, figuring out the performance of those hundreds or even thousands of influencers is far more complicated than just working with a few big names. And it's even more complex when you're also tracking your competition and your entire industry. Now that means, of course, that you know, there's a bigger reliance than ever on the tools that people like Tubular Labs and Creator IQ and PEX, some of those guys are putting together. But that depth of knowledge means that brands are having to say, these are the people I'm going to work with, and it's not just going to be 10 people. It's not even going to be necessarily 100 people. It might be 10,000. Very different market. It's a very different business. At the same time, as they get more extensive in their embrace of a wide range of talent, brands are also looking to find longer-term deals with some, uh, I'll call them transcendent talents, that can do more than just the one-off. As they're getting more adept, they're also beginning to look for longer-term relationships. And influencers want that, too, because it, if it fits their personal brand and the audience they've built over years, they can build in a secure way. They can build in a long-term relationship that makes sense for them and their audience. They can convey a con consistent message. I talked with Michelle Marino, a Los Angeles influencer marketing consultant, and she said this is really important because it allows influencers to convey a consistent message and grow their audience with the brand as opposed to these one-off deals that kind of come and go and you can't build on. She said that lately she's seen a big increase in brand requests for influencers to co-brand new product lines or introduce new brands altogether by being the face of a company. She pointed to a deal that Nordstrom did with Ariel Charnas to launch her fashion line, Something Navy, proved so popular that it crashed the site in the first hour after the line launched. And HealthAid Kombucha, which I drink and enjoy, launched a, a new co-branded flavor called Bubbly Rosé with the health and fitness duo Tone It Up. By happenstance, I picked one of those up in a store a couple weeks ago, tried it out, and really quite liked it. This is no endorsement, but I did enjoy it. Such deals which look a lot more like traditional celebrity endorsements, can mean more security and continuity for influencers. But they also mean more scrutiny and strings. In most cases, Marino told me, these type of deals are far more complex with rigorous exclusivity terms, equity or revenue share, compensation models, and they rely heavily on influencer authenticity. The other big trend that I saw was what I called reaching beyond reach. Follower fraud was a big concern in 2018. Moving beyond 2017's concerns about state actors manipulating elections to concerns that some influencers were manipulating follower counts to extract higher brand fees. 
But several responses in this past year have helped blunt those concerns, I think. They haven't gone away, but they're still there. But the first thing is, the platforms themselves spent a good chunk of 2018 rooting out and killing off untold millions of fake accounts. They've gotten better, though it's a nearly impossible Sisyphean task to kill them all off. They've gotten better at finding these things. Second, brands such as Unilever committed to never do business with people who bought fake followers and to never do it themselves. Third, data companies got better at flagging potential problem influencers. Creator IQ, for instance, flags influencers with an unusual number of followers from unexpected countries. They also flag them if they see an unexpected shift in follower counts, either up or down, and whether their posts receive a typical level of engagement. They know kind of what to expect, generally speaking, and if you're way outside those statistical models, they'll take a look and see what's going on. Influencers also began sharing more of their first party data, and I think this is important for influencers. They need to expect this going forward. So brands could be assured about how many people actually saw a post and reacted to it in one way or another. Because it's first party, Creator IQ's Nate Harris told me, you know the idea of true reach or true engagement rate has really become more accessible to brands and brand marketers. That's finally putting influencer marketing at parity with other digital marketing channels that have measurable outcomes as part of their true merit. Brands also are relying far less on pure reach as a metric, and this is a big deal. I consider um, using reach a leftover of the days when TV really only had CPMs, which was cost per thousand eyeballs, sets of eyeballs that you reached, counting the total possible viewers who might have seen an ad or a post. More brands and agencies now know to rely on more sophisticated metrics, such as cost per engagement, that can be tied more directly to their return on investment. And I think ROI is a big area of focus as we move into this next era of influencer marketing. I think we'll see a lot more regulation coming, though given the way Congress has started, it's not clear how they'll get their acts together this year. But I think some stuff will be coming. There's a lot of support for it. And um, I think it's going to be a fascinating year. The shift, I think, to these new metrics is an example of the increasing sophistication of influencer marketing at the highest levels. And I expect that trend to accelerate a lot in 2019. Anyway, this is David Bloom. I really appreciate your time. I'm so glad you're here. I look forward to a great 2019 with you. Please support our sponsors. Please let me know what you think. I'm always excited to hear from my uh, listeners and to know that you're out there and thinking and I'm engaging you in one way or another. In the meantime, have a great new year. This is David Bloom, over and out. You've been listening to Bloom in Tech. I am your host, David Bloom. Thanks so much. And our podcast has been sponsored in this episode by Fabric Media in Venice, California. Take care, everyone. Thank you.